you're ready to stop submitting basic applications and winging your interview for your next nursing role, whether you're a graduate nurse or a seasoned healthcare professional, we'd love to exclusively invite you to our secret nurse growth hub, where you can get all of the support to apply, interview and land your next nursing role completely free. All of the resources that we've shared and created over the last three years that have helped 3,000 plus nurses internationally apply, interview and land their next nursing role. So what are you waiting for? Come and join us today. It's completely free. LiamCaswell.com forward slash NGH. Come and join the Nurse Growth Hub today and let's make applying, interviewing and landing your next nursing role easy. Welcome to the High Performance Nursing Podcast, where we seek to coach, educate and inspire nurses globally to achieve their high performance potential. Learn from influential clinicians having curious conversations to help you navigate your unique high performance nursing career path. Join me, your host Liam Caswell, nursepreneur, coach and mentor, as we explore how you can create a balanced high performance nursing career. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to this episode of High Performance Nursing. We are in for a treat today. We have got an amazing guest, a friend across the waters from Australia in Fiji in the Pacific. Hey, Darisha, how are you? Hey, Liam. I'm good. How are you? I'm so happy that you're here. It's been years since we actually have spoken like this. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for giving me this platform, actually. Of course. It's been long. Yeah, no, of course. It's such a great opportunity for us to catch up and also (laughs) tell the world about what you're doing across in Fiji. So a bit of background about Darisha. Darisha Dat has 12 years experience working in public health across multiple areas in Fiji, graduated with a bachelor's degree in public health from the Fiji School of Medicine, and currently is undertaking a diploma in counselling via the Australian Pacific Technical College. But now Darisha actually works as a program manager at the Fiji Cancer Society, and she's been there for over two years. Darisha is married, has two kids, two beautiful kids, and I think you've got some pets as well, don't you? <laughs> I've got cats. <laughs> cats. Don't, don't leave the cats out. <laughs> and, and a couple of cats as well. Thank you yeah. so much for coming on. Today's episode is really focusing on international waters and looking at what's happening across in Fiji. A bit of a backstory as to how Darisha and I came to know each other is that maybe two years ago now, I was yeah. in Fiji finishing off my Master's of International Public Health and I volunteered or interned at Medical Services Pacific, which is a a sexual reproductive health NGO in Fiji that does a lot of amazing work. And I worked with Darisha there and we we became friends and and had lots of deep conversations about (laughs) sorting the world out. And here we are now where we're pushing the message of public health and, and really focusing on the great work that's happening within that space. Because I think that nurses often forget that public health is an option for a career path. And here at High Performance Nursing World was talking about what different routes you can take, but also that it kind of underpins all of the work that we do as a nurse. Yeah. 
So I want to kick off and have a chat about how you kind of got to being a program manager in, in Fiji Cancer Society. What kind of was your path and, and what were your kind of hurdles as you came up through MSP into um, Fiji Cancer Society? Okay, thanks, Liam. So as you have mentioned earlier about my background, so I have got a degree in public health. And so my interest was always in health. My dream was to become a doctor, but then I ended up... <laughs> then you realized that health. it's too much hard work. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, so by profession, I am a health inspector. Mm. I worked in municipal councils as a health inspector. And then, uh, yeah, I worked with various NGOs like Save the Children Fiji. I worked as a sole project officer under special service agreement recruited by WHO. Mm. So, and then um, I saw an opportunity uh, at Medical Services Specific or MSP. So I applied for a position of monitoring and evaluation officer and then um, community educator. Mm. So I wore various hats at MSP. Yeah, and I learned a lot actually uh, in terms of uh, conducting monitoring and evaluation. And then visiting, I visited so many communities all around PG, including maritime zones. And uh, yeah, so the core business of MSP was sexual and reproductive health. And uh, yeah, they had the right-based approach always when it comes to accessing healthcare services. Mm. Yeah, so, and then I worked there for four years. I got, uh, I, I thought, you know, I better learn or venture out into another discipline of public health, so which was cancer, just focusing on cancer care, mm. cancer prevention. So, yeah, so it's been two years now with the Fiji Cancer Society and our core business at Fiji Cancer Society is mainly cancer prevention and patient care support. So we are bridging the gap between Ministry of Health and the patient. So once a patient gets discharged, currently there is no continuum of care from Ministry of Health side. Mm. So that's where we bridge the gap. We have our home visitation program whereby we work together with the oncology nurses and we take the nurses with us. We do home visitations to palliative cases mostly. Mm. Yeah, and reaching out to communities, providing community education on cancer prevention, educating on the signs and symptoms of cancer and providing free screening services across Fiji. Well, mainly we are on busy level side mostly. So. Mm. Central Western Division. We have we are yet to reach to the north. You yeah. would know it's Ambassa mm. and all those maritime areas. Yeah, yeah. Wow. But, you know, having worked with you, the work that you guys do that you were doing at the time in MSP was amazing. And that's something that really struck me was that there is this real gap. And you talked about it there, whereby patients go to hospital. I mean, because yeah. of limited resources and limited funding in in the Ministry mm-hmm. of Health when they leave hospital, there's this lack of follow-up. I mean, we're really grateful and obviously very um, lucky here in Australia to have that. And that's where we know that patients potentially may suffer the most is when they leave hospital because they're recovering, they're still fragile, and they've undergone this traumatic experience um, whereby they might have got a diagnosis, they might have had chemotherapy, they may have just been told they're going to pass away in six months' time. 
it's really yeah. confronting. So I love that you guys are doing that work and bridging that gap because it's so important for patients and their families. But I imagine it must be quite confronting. Yes, yes. So like you've mentioned, the reason why the Ministry of Health, I mean, this continuum of care support is already in Ministry of Health's strategic plan, right? But due to lack of resources and funding, they're not able to. So that's, we exist. Mm. We do find challenges ourselves as an NGO, a registered NGO in Fiji. We've been in, in existence for over 26 years, right? But we do have challenges of our own. In terms of funding, definitely, because we do not receive funding support from Ministry of Health or any government organization for that matter. We raise our funds via morning teas, so Pinktober morning teas, Movember, yeah, other various activities. So that's how, and then we get donations from corporates, donation in kind. Mm. And yeah, but we have like a small team as well, less than 10 staff. Yeah, wow. As much as we want to. Yes. We do have a support group in the West. Mm. We don't actually pay the staff. It's just the volunteers, the kind yeah. of support and generosity of the volunteers. They work for free. Mm. And uh, because we have cancer patients all across the country. Of course, yeah. Not only in the central division, not only in Suba. So our worry is that we are mostly Suba centric, mm. but we do have support groups in the West. Mm goes out and visits the homes of those patients, especially in palliative. This episode of the High Performance Nursing Podcast is sponsored by yours truly, Liam Caswell. If you're a nurse that's looking for coaching, whether that be CV coaching, interview coaching, writing that damn selection criteria, or maybe you're looking to take the next step in your career and you don't know where to start. Since August 2020, I've helped over 70 nurses land and achieve their dream nursing roles. Why wait any longer? You can find out more about my coaching programs at liamcaswell.com. I'm interested in, in learning more about the work that you're doing with the Fiji Cancer Society because I'd like to know more about the demographic of people that you kind of are seeing more of. Do you see more men versus women? Condition is kind of the most prevalent within the cancer realm. What, what kind of do you see mostly? So... We have more women who are survivors of cancer and then more women who are diagnosed of cancer. So you would know uh, cancer is the third leading cause of death in Fiji after diabetes and heart disease. And we have uh, over 900 people die of cancer annually and approximately 1,100 new cases are diagnosed every year in Fiji. Yeah, wow. Um, yeah, so more women are diagnosed and the most prevalent or leading trend of cancers in female are breast and cervical mm. sometimes it's cervical and breast mm. and in men it's prostate cancer yeah. prostate yeah. lung testicular yeah isn't that interesting you know i think we kind of tend to forget about those kind of three top key comorbidities that people have you know the cardiovascular disease the diabetes of course you know we know from the literature and the evidence that both of those things then can contribute to cancer I mean are a lot of fueling factors that might lead to a cancer diagnosis no surprise that men are obviously not coming forward and men are not talking about it or seeking the health help that they need because I imagine that that's a big driving force within your community outreach and your public health messaging is that you want to make sure that you're addressing 
the male component as well within the community setting. I know having been on outreach with MSP, what it's kind of like and and the room is full it's quite an amazing experience to go out into these rural communities in Fiji and you know for me it was a real eye-opener walking in and seeing a couple of chickens running around and the kids having a play and uh, what struck me was that the people there were just so happy everybody I met in Fiji just seemed to exude like overt happiness But at the same time, they were really dealing with some really highly complex issues, not even just medical issues. Yeah, you know, um, health inequity, domestic violence, all of these things seem to plague some of the communities. When you're going into these communities, how do you try and tailor the the content or how like how do you message it, message this so that it, it impacts both men and women? So we are an inclusive team. We do have male cancer advocates. Mm. who mainly talks about prostate cancer and testicular cancer. So before we, we initiate any outreach activities, we do our scoping. We make sure that we visit uh, or have a short, brief discussion with the HR manager or whoever in a mm. corporate setting or community, for example, Turangani Koro or the traditional gatekeepers. Yeah. So we meet with them. We inform them that this outreach is not only or women-centered or female-focused, we need men as well because the good thing about Fiji Cancer Society is we are not only providing free screening services to women, breast and cervical, we also screen men. Mm. We do PSA testing, so prostate uh, testing, we have blood blood tests. So that really encourages men to come forward. Otherwise, they'd be paying $25 for that test. Yeah, wow. Mm. Fiji Cancer Society is paying that on behalf of the patient. So that really encourages men to come forward and get tested. Mm, that's a really good strategy. You know, it is it is public health 101, you know, making sure that you engage with the stakeholders. But I guess um, what I found interesting working in Fiji was the, the additional layers of complexity versus what we would have here. Because if you wanted to kind of go into, let's say, I don't know, the inner west of Sydney to talk to people about public health, it would be quite a different approach versus in Fiji, where you've got those traditional gatekeepers and the, and the local chiefs and you know, the, the key players in the local community who kind of are on guard and, and checking that this is a good thing for the community. Do you have any issues at, at those points whereby you know, you've ever faced any challenges trying to get into a community or is it generally quite open? Uh, well, sometimes we do have challenges. You know, if, for example, if there's a death in a community, if there's any function, sometimes we get, you know, told that, I'm sorry, we won't be able to facilitate or, you know, uh, invite you guys over because we have these issues like death, ceremony, something's happening in the community. When we go out in communities, sometimes there is lack of participation by men. Mm. And, uh, you know, men are men. <laughs> they don't really want to come Excuse out. me, Teresa. <laughs> <laughs> and they think that it's like uh, they they have this perception that you know traditionally back in days all this outreach used to focus only on women mm. and there was lack of inclusivity and uh, now we have diverse groups in communities yeah so it's so still they find it hard to come out of their shells and mm. Uh, mm. access these services mm. so i guess we need to create more awareness or talk about it a little bit more holistically. Yeah. 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 I love that. 
so important and you know using like male advocates and things like that i'm sorry this is not where for people listening this is not where i wanted to go down the male route but i do find it fascinating that less male come forward it's not surprising it's just you know the same rule applies in public health here or public health in the uk you've got to speak to the audience that are being affected by the issue and you've got to be quite strategic and explore different avenues of how you're going to tackle that issue within a community. Mm. And like yeah. using things like a male advocate, you know, mm. is a really good strategy because we know that maybe in general, there's communities that a, a male is more likely to listen to a male. <laughs> Unfortunately, that is the situation. But I even think that that's, that may be changing as well, based on my experience with you got MSP added. Mm-hmm when we went out into the, was it Ovea? 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 Did I say it right? <laughs> was it for outreach? Yeah, it was outreach. Okay. Ovea. Oh, Ovea. Oh, this is embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> but when we went out there to that community, you know, it was mostly women on the team. There was a couple of guys there, but it was, there was a lot of men that presented on the day that came along and listened and I'm engaged in the workshops and and really tried. You could see them taking in the information and hopefully then putting it into practice, especially around that, you know, sexual reproductive health, child health, things like that. So um, yeah, it's amazing work that you're doing in that space. So thank you, thank you. What do you think are some of the challenges that you guys, Fiji Cancer Society, are facing in the next kind of 12 months? Well, uh, number one is funding, definitely. So we have we we are starting to reach out to the prospect to donors like Fiji Women's Fund, and we are so grateful to them that uh, I think last month we signed our grant agreement. We were awarded one hundred fifty thousand Fijian dollars. Wow! To provide to train fifty community healthcare workers mm. in palliative care. So providing mm. palliative care. We are a trained. Uh, we are a trainer. Amazing. So. That's our upcoming project because without their funding support, we would not be able to do that. Train mm. community health workers so they can train the carers in the communities on mm. how to look after a palliative patient. You know. Yeah. Wow. Thank you, Fiji uh, Women's Fund. Thank you. And then, yeah, and then we got funding of Australian 10K mm-hmm. by AVI volunteers. I think we got the impact funding. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and then we wrote the proposal to Australian Aid or AVI to provide cancer screening services awareness and screening to tertiary institutes because that's where the diverse groups are and our target group, younger Mm. generation. Yeah, so we'd be we'd be delivering those services to USP University of the South Pacific, Mm. Fiji National University at Samabula Branch. So that's the plan. I think from August to September onward, we'll roll out that program. Mm. The other challenges, well, actually, that was some of the outcomes of mm. proposal writings. That's um, awesome. Yeah. And then we also applied again to Fiji Women's Fund for 10K Resilient Resilience Grant. Mm. So we're just waiting on the outcome. Eh? The challenges that we face is, again, uh, to continue to provide this continuum of care because the number of cancer cases in Fiji is increasing. Okay, more than COVID, I guess. Mm. We have more mm. cancer cases than COVID. It's more of a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so diagnostic equipments, for example, gene expert machine for HPV testing, we don't mm. have that in Fiji. So the robust method of uh, cervical screening is not VIA. 
Mm. It's supposed to be HPV testing followed by pep smear, right? Athara yeah. examination. Yeah. yeah. So we are trying to get or, or reach out to donors to fund us this gene expert machine, uh, primarily yeah. to be used for HPV testing. Tobacco Control Association, we talk a lot about, you know, NCDs, um, mm. quitting smoking, but there's, there's not, not proper cessation clinics. Yeah. We do work together with Hope Clinic, with Dr. Ali Pate. Um, he is providing cessation advice because he's a medical doctor by profession. And we did attend one conference at Beijing, I think two years back, mm. on tobacco mm. cessation. But we need like a solid uh, a cessation clinic in place. So. Yeah. Whereby we, like I know in New Zealand, they have this uh, support services running. They, pr- they give out free nicotine patches and chewing gum. Yes. And then yeah. counseling support. We <laughs> they have the quick line, but we don't. Yeah. Wow. Cancer Society doesn't have quick line or helpline. Mm. Uh, yeah. And then we don't have counseling or psychosocial support services as well for patients and the carers. Mm. And yeah, so we don't have radiation therapies or radiation treatment available in Fiji. It's only biopsy, surgeries, and chemotherapy mm-hmm. present. Yeah, wow. But again, they have, they have to like prioritize on, you know, which ones to, yeah. So like I mentioned earlier that we are mostly super centric. We want to reach out to other areas mm-hmm. in the islands. Mm-hmm. MSP, MSP had a a big funding so they usually and together with other NGOs and ministry they have the capacity to reach out but for us since we are cancer focused and we are also providing continuum of care and we definitely would like to train and you know extend our services to the other other parts of Fiji Mm. to the outer islands mostly such an important plan that you guys have in place and you know it's it is uh, you know it's I don't even know how to put it into words, but it's so, it must be so challenging to, to have this vision and, you know, try and bring it to life amidst all of these challenges. Of course, that's part of the process, but, but also some of these things are like really fundamental things that should be provided by the ministry. I won't get you to comment on that, but that's my perspective yeah. because these are things that contribute to, you know, Fiji achieving, you know, the sustainable development goals, the global goals that we all have to meet and working towards those non-communicable disease goals and reducing those non-communicable diseases. Of course, COVID has thrown a spanner in the works and has created all of these issues for everybody. But I'm really interested in learning, obviously the podcast is about nursing. I'm, I'm interested in learning some of the challenges that your nurses face, because I think it might be a really great learning opportunity for people listening to hear the yeah. differences. Because what I saw when I was there walking through, oh my goodness, the Suva Hospital, what's the name of the hospital? CWM. CWM. Walking through that hospital for me was a truly moving experience. I I don't think I've ever really understood the lack of resources that are accessible to people. And I can tell you from 10 years of experience in a, in a well-funded public health system that we take so much for granted. The smallest of things we take for granted and it's it's disheartening and it was really difficult for me to process that and and see 
just the the widespread lack of resources and i'm i'm sure we'll get into it but i'm sure that has a knock-on impact on culture and whether or not nurses enjoy doing their job because any nurse that comes into being a nurse comes into it usually because they want to do the best that they can but if you start taking away resources and say well you need to give this patient chemotherapy but you can't that's really hard morally for a nurse to then process and to then not give that thing that they know will help fix this patient. So what's your perspective on nursing in Fiji? What's been your experience? Okay. Thank you. I will, I'm not a nurse by profession, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I have worked with the, the zone nurses, the little health centers. I mean, mainly as, we engage them as our stakeholders and we go out to communities mm. outreach we before we move them. on sorry can i just clarify just for the listeners because this is really interesting zone nurses what is a zone nurse okay a zone nurse is a nurse who is in charge of a particular area mm -hmm. for example in nasinu <laughs> in nasinu in nasinu area we have we consult with the Valalevu health center team so the zone, we expect the zoners to be based there who knows all the population, the mm -hmm. number of villages and settlements in the area. Yep. So she would be well equipped with all the necessary, all the nitty gritty details about her, yep. about, about the like Nasinu area or whichever area falls under her. How many people will that zone nurse kind of look after in, the, in that zone, roughly? Oh, would be like... 6,000 people. <laughs> yeah. Did you, did like, you hear that, everybody? 6,000 people. <laughs> One or two nurses for 6,000 people. Mm. It's, it is lot. immense. These guys don't ever sleep. They work really hard. Hard, exactly. And, uh, you know, with this lack of resources, lack of mm. transport. Mm. Yeah, like simple things like lack of uh, Panadol in the hospital, yeah, the yeah. dressing materials, mm. lack of what do you call this, glucose testing strips, and yeah. yeah, all those things. So they work with under-resourced, with lack of those medical consumables, I would say. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when it comes to cancer, like uh, providing consumables to cancer patients, so in Fiji, we have lack of stoma bag. Even in pharmacies, we don't have stoma bag or colostomy mm. bags for, yeah, for palliative or those who have underwent surgeries and stuff. So we lack those, the nurses, they, they lack those equipments or the consumables to provide a better care. Mm. So they would come to us, Fiji Cancer Society, like for diapers, you know, to provide groceries for some patients if they don't have, uh, especially for patients. Transportation, we provide transport for the patients as well. So they can mm. come to attend the clinic for chemotherapy and other things. Mm. So these are some of the shortfalls the nurses have actually discussed mm. with, uh, with us, especially for cancer, for palliative care cases mm. mostly. Yeah, and you can imagine like other patients in stroke, heart disease, diabetic, they don't have access to this transportation, mm. all those consumables that they mm. should be actually you know, mm. And, you know, those patients that with, with cardiovascular disease and diabetes is your top and cancer mm. is your top three, yeah. you are at a higher risk of stroke. You are, you know, you're at higher, you've got diabetes up there already, but you've got no ongoing support. 
to help manage and maintain your diabetes. Like that is, it's really, really challenging for the population yeah, to, to access health across the board. I'm really interested in, you know, talking about a zone nurse, for example, the impact, what do you think the impact is for the zone nurse of not having all these resources? Like what is the culture like within nursing in Fiji? They obviously do amazing work. They yes, work under yes, under resource, but what, what what is the culture like? Yeah, and then so if you have lack of resources, obviously there'd be lack of care. The patients would feel neglected and not well taken care of. You know, the conflicts amongst nurses and the doctors and the patients sometimes. Mm-hmm. Some of these issues come up on Facebook. The patients are uh, the the patients, they spend many hours like sitting, waiting to be seen by a nurse or doctor. So, yeah, like it really impacts them mentally and psychologically, mm. psychologically as yeah. well. Yeah. So, and uh, I also see that there is a lack of psychosocial support for the nurses because mm. they are stressed out as well with all those lack of resources and consumables and supplies yeah. at the it's heartbreaking to hear that that is the norm, you know, day to day. And we absolutely have full respect for those nurses that go out there and the doctors and the healthcare workers and the support workers, the people that work in public health, working with limited resources is a, is a quick way to reduce culture and to really drain people's well-being from them. Because like we said earlier, you've got an issue in front of you here in Australia, we can fix it. And we can, you know, we can potentially help them and move forward. Not always, but nine times out of 10, you don't go to work every day as a nurse here and, and face, you know, dilemmas like, can we give you chemo or not? Because we don't have enough. Or can we check, or, or you need radiation, but we don't have access to it. So I imagine the impact on the nurse, the doctor, the physio, the, the public health team is quite significant. It would be interesting to see what the kind of burnout rate is. I don't know if you're familiar with the burnout term, but we use it here in Australia and we say, oh, we're burnt out. Like we work too much. It's too hard. We get a bit precious. (laughs) But for me, being in Fiji was a beautiful experience with beautiful people um, that are so kind, warm, loving, happy, but are facing some really complex challenges with minimal, minimal resources. Yeah. You're, you're correct there. We do see, like, you've also seen at CWM Hospital how the nurses, like, they, they're tired, exhausted, mm. trying to meet mm. their targets. And they do have targets to achieve as well. Yeah. So what Fiji can, like, for cancer, for oncology here at CWM, that's why we have provided that home visitation, that extra support. So the nurses mm-hmm. are able to go out and follow up with their client. Yeah. See what, I mean, like, yeah, provide those services, the morphine injections, the wound dressing, and all those uh, mm-hmm. services which patient needs at home, the home-based care. Mm-hmm. So, but unfortunately, most patients who are not non-cancer patients, they are deprived of that care, yeah. home visitation yeah. care. Mm. And adding COVID on top of that, Fiji has done really well with COVID overall, which is amazing. What do you think is, is attributed to COVID not being such a big problem in Fiji? So I think we have had over 
two, two or three deaths now mm -hmm. due to COVID mm -hmm. in Fiji. And I think uh, the Ministry of Health is doing a wonderful job in trying mm -hmm. to um, implement protocols such as wearing masks out in public and yeah, keeping the social distancing uh, <laughs> and uh, not like staying at home and not moving out. Sorry, what was the question again? You got it. We were talking about COVID and Fiji and, you know, why do you think uh, Fiji has done such a good job with like, yeah. and I say that, sorry, I should be really careful there because, you know, we, anybody dying is, is extremely tragic by good job. I mean, you know, there's not been the spike of cases and that there have been in the UK or the USA and these kind of first world countries where we're like, oh, we're privileged and we're white British people and we, we have all the resources we need, you know, whereas in Fiji, we've got limited resources, but yet you guys have handled COVID really well. Yeah. So like I mentioned earlier on, we had uh, the Ministry of Health, they have set up protocols, strict protocols mm -hmm. so they have like containment zones so right now you are not able to cross the river bridge okay you know that area right Maybe. River bridge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, sorry. so there are little containment areas and then you have to be within your bubble so only one person is allowed to go out of your house to do shopping mm -hmm. and then come back so you're not allowed to take out children and then you know have mass gatherings yeah. So if you are having funerals, so only 20 people are limited or allowed to gather. And while maintaining distance, social distancing and wearing masks and sanitizing and washing hands and mm. all these mm. Little fever clinics around the country, around each area. So if they feel sick, they have to first call the toll-free mm. number. So they call the number and then uh, they can, I think a health professional would come and provide those services, them. check yeah. the patient. Yeah, so they have yeah. strict protocols in place. Mm, that's awesome. I'm so happy to hear that and that everybody's staying safe because Fiji for me was such a, a, a community of people you know, and in Fiji, everybody <laughs> loves company and loves coming exactly. together. So how hard for every, you know, whereas in the UK, back home in the UK, we're kind of like, oh, you know, the three of us will just stay, stick together. Whereas in Fiji, it's, you know, you've got everybody <laughs> there and everybody's so happy True. to see each other. So I was just thinking, wow, that's really going to impact the Fijian kind of population and, and, and culture that makes it so yeah. fun and and beautiful i mean we like together right in community yes. spaces yeah yeah, yeah like it's all happening come together beautiful singing and lots of fun and we won't talk about all the the naughty stuff like the alcohol because <laughs> we're talking about reducing ncds i wanted to ask as we kind of come to the end i wanted to ask a question about disaster and disaster response and I know that uh, that's something that was kind of probably a maybe I don't know a little bit more MSP but what f what I didn't realize coming to Fiji was how much you are impacted by natural disaster you know uh, you have really severe weather and that can impact uh, rural and urban communities and there's again lack of resources so a lot of NGOs are delivering that primary response or disaster response is there anything you want to kind of share with anybody or from your experiences about that? Or is that something that Fiji Cancer Society would, would, would have to manage as well, you know, going out to see a palliative care patients? Talk us through that. Yes, so our palliative patients all over the place, not only in the central side. I mean, like, you know, so we can have an interior in a central side as well, like Nita Suri, 
and other places. So when we receive a news uh, update on disaster coming or cyclone coming, so we do have, we are trying to implement a disaster preparedness plan. Uh, we don't have one yet, but we are trying to work together. I mean, unlike MSP, they have a humanitarian disaster relief team mm-hmm. all over. Like mm-hmm. they have opened a branch in the West. They have a branch yeah. in the North, in Lambasa. So they have a big capacity you know, of staff to mm-hmm. handle this. For us, we do have a COVID kits or hygiene kits that we give out to the carers mm-hmm. in advance. So two or three days before, a week before. So when a home visitation team goes out, so we pack, prepare those packs and then send it across mm, to them. Yeah, wow. Well, yeah. But we definitely need help. Yes, yeah. yes. It's something to watch. Obviously, it sounds like it's something that's on your agenda that you're working towards, which is awesome because there is something that comes up pretty frequently and must be in that space where palliative care is really, you know, can become an urgent priority to have a plan is, is, is amazing. As we kind of wrap up, uh, I wanted to kind of ask, and I'm putting you on the spot here because I did talk to you about this earlier and I don't know if you, if you have the numbers, but in terms of, we talked a lot about funding and, and I talked a lot about, you know, how, how simple resources are limited. Do you happen to know like how much it costs locally for some of these things, like some of the key things like stoma bags or diapers, you know, things that you use or you give out to your, your cancer society clients or patients? Do you happen to know like the price range um, of those items? Yes. So diapers. So there are different types of diapers the patients mm. use. I think there is a stick on and the pull up one. Yeah, yeah. So the prices, so we give out the quality ones to the patients. Not, mm. I mean, like it is comfortable for them to use. Mm. It is quite expensive. So sometimes we we ask for donations from companies like mm. Tapus and just send out a general press release. You know um, yeah. that we need, we in need of diapers or pull up mm. diapers mm. and. Uh, yeah, it could cost around 20 Fijian, 20 to 25 Fijian dollars for a pack of that. But I think yeah. 10, so like that. Yeah. And uh, for stoma bag, it's definitely expensive. Most of the time, we get donations from Australia and New Zealand. We have a few friends, volunteers mostly who have worked with Fiji Cancer Society. So sometimes mm-hmm. they send in shipment. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, it's really expensive. It is expensive. And then buying medications. Sometimes we have to pay for the chemotherapy for patients who are not able to afford it or who urgently needs it. Mm. It is expensive. Um, the, yeah, I don't really know the names of those medications, mm. but in the meetings we have, like our CEO, she discussed, and with the patient support officer, mm. I, I've heard that, you know, these medications are expensive. Even like visiting patients is expensive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Just travel, getting somebody there, paying somebody's hourly rate yeah wow it all adds up you know it all adds up and i know the reason why i asked that is one to give people an idea about how you know a small donation can help and i know we all see that on the telly and we say a small donation can help this person get x y and z but it's it's always good to put a dollar amount to it so that people can see like wow actually you know what is 20 to 25 dollars in australian yep so 25 Fijian dollars is $15 for a pack of pads, 15 Australian dollars. So, you know, if somebody was looking to donate or contribute to Fiji Cancer Society, you know, that's something that they could do for, with 15 bucks that could help. 
Yeah, that could be really a blessing to Fiji Cancer mm. Society and the patients. Mm. If we have generous donors, you know, wanting to donate. Yeah, absolutely. We unfortunately, we, unfortunately, we do not have the GoFundMe page, but we are in the process of setting up one yeah. with the help of uh, a volunteer who is mm. going to help us set up the page or crowdfunding, I think it's mm. called. Mm. Every yeah, every dollar counts in the fight against mm, cancer. I would say. Definitely, yeah, absolutely, and it's such such an important cause. Just thinking about volunteers, you know, we have nursing students and nurses across the lifespan listen to this podcast. Thank you all for listening. Could someone volunteer with Fiji Cancer Society? You know, could they volunteer internationally? I might be putting you on the spot again, but you know, they could definitely get in touch with you guys on your Facebook, just <laughs> Fiji Cancer Society. And you can uh, link in there and send them a message. And then, you know, if you were interested or you had a specific skill set where you could maybe help, you could reach out and, and potentially volunteer or use that platform to have a chat and discuss about donations. Because like you say, every dollar counts. Uh, you guys are doing absolutely fantastic work, which is vitally important that no one else is doing in, in your space. And it's changing people's lives. So thank you for doing it and thank you for leading the way in cancer prevention but also making sure that those moments at the end of someone's life those last you know those last days uh, months days weeks years as a palliative patient are the best that they can be yeah thank you so much liam <laughs> that's all right no my pleasure is there anything you want to add or tell our community we've covered facebook sorry i jumped in there i got too excited <laughs> but there will be a gofundme page or a crowdfunding page which mm -hmm. we will when it's uh, when it's up and running we will share it on the high performance nursing page and we'd be more than happy to do that and we talked about potentially putting in how you can donate into the show notes of the podcast so that people can go in there and have a look if they've listened and want to donate to fiji cancer society yeah, thank you so much. And just to let you know that we also work with Wow Kids Fiji and they look after child cancer patients. Wow. So we look after adult cancer patients. Mm. Yeah, so we work together as mm. a team. Yeah. Mm. That's one of the exciting things about public health, I think, is that it's so um, collaborative. Janae, it's so collaborative. You guys work with everybody and you draw upon each other's strengths. And there might be a little bit of competition there, but that's all right. You know, that's natural. Mm -hmm. We're all trying to improve the lives of people who are disadvantaged and need that urgent access to healthcare. So thank you, thank you. Keep up the amazing work. I'm so glad we got to catch up. Yeah, if you guys want to know more about Fiji Cancer Society, pop it into Facebook and please donate. They would absolutely love that. And you will be changing many patients' lives across in Fiji and helping them get access to resources. Thank you so much. It's been a privilege. Thank you, Liam. Thanks for giving me this opportunity. And yeah, on behalf of the patients, the carers, and Fiji Cancer Society, thank you so much in advance. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to the High Performance Nursing Podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. I would love you to join my online community of high performance nurses. Join us on Facebook at Liam Caswell or check out my website at liamcaswell.com. Until next time, I have been your host, Liam Caswell, and I am truly grateful for the opportunity to help you build your high-performance nursing career. Be kind to yourself and stay forever curious. <laughs>